Good morning, one and all. Welcome into the Wealth Guardian Show. We've got a great lineup today. We've got uh, my friend Hamilton Morales, who I lovingly call my walking, talking, living, breathing encyclopedia of Social Security rules and regulations. We're promoting next week's workshop. We're having a big Social Security workshop uh, next Tuesday and Thursday. That's October 4th and 6th, uh, 6.30 out in Clemens at the Broy Hill uh, Convention Center. So please, I want you guys to come to that. Hamilton will be with me. Uh, it'll be 336-391-3409 is the number you need to call and get your reservations in. And we're going to tell you more about that later as the show develops. But first... You know, I always want to salute the veterans out there as well as our active duty service members and our first responders. Thank you folks so much for what you do for us. And I want to do a little bit of a market update here. We are through September. And you know, I've been telling you September is the worst, historically speaking, the worst month for the market uh, of all the months. And it can be very volatile. We had a little bit of volatility um this month, but it wasn't nearly as bad as it could have been. And uh, central bank intervention has been playing a big part of that, as as you know. And by the way, did you watch the debate? Wasn't that something? Now, I watched that debate maybe a little bit more different than you did, because I watched that debate with the S&P and the Dow Futures clicking at the bottom. Now, if you did that, you would have noticed that the futures were skyrocketing as they thought, they being market players, Wall Street, um, believed that Hillary was getting the best of Donald. And um, that's an interesting connotation all into itself. Here's my belief. My belief is as we move closer to this election, if the market starts to move up, it is anticipating a Hillary electoral win. If the market moves down, then it's anticipating that Mr. Trump will win. Now, why is that? Well, Mrs. Clinton is bought and paid for by Wall Street. We know that. That's no secret. So as it appears that she is going to be the probable winner then Wall Street is going to pat itself on the back, and you'll see a move higher in stocks. I just thought I'd bring that to your attention. But let's go ahead and get started uh, on our on our discussion of, of Social Security and, and bring in my friend uh, Hamilton Morales. Hamilton, welcome to the show today. Good morning. Well, you know, I wanted to have you back because we did this several months back, and it was a huge success. Uh, you truly are a uh, living, breathing encyclopedia of Social Security rules and regulations, and uh, you know I enjoy I enjoy working with you. I'm gonna we're gonna tell the folks about a case that we came up against uh, several months ago, and it had me stumped. And I called you up, and and, and you surely knew uh, the answer right off uh, top of your head. But before we get to that, we had big changes occur last year in in the uh, in the claiming strategies. Why don't you kind of quickly brief everyone on what what happened and who it affected? Sure, it's you know it was all based off of the bipartisan budget act of 2015, which was passed at the end of October and signed into law at the beginning of November. And there were a lot of things in that bill. However, 
the two things that affect most Social Security uh, recipients uh, today and in the future uh, were part of Section 831. And Section 831 basically decided they wanted to use that to close what they deemed as unintended loopholes. And so what it affected were two very specific things. One was file and suspend, and the other one was restricted application. So file and suspend is the ability to file for your benefits, but then immediately suspend your payments. Now, you know, most people are like, well, why would anybody want to do that? Well, in order for your spouse to get a spousal benefit, you must first activate your account. Well, there's only two ways to activate your account. You can either file for your benefits, be receiving them, or you could file for them and then suspend the payment. So by filing, you activated your account. By suspending the payment, it allowed you to continue to get those 8% delayed retirement credits on your benefit. So that was the first one. The second one was restricted application, which is a specific application that you file against your spouse's work record that allows you to receive half of their full retirement age benefit. Here's the key part. While your benefit continues to grow at the 8% delayed retirement credits. So you can see how these were very effective and very good for the Social Security recipients. That's the reason why, you know, they get taken away. So, um, so that you had the two different ones, and they both had two different expiration dates. So the expiration date for the file and suspend was essentially uh, May 1st. It was over. Um, technically, it was April 30th, which was the, or I should say May 2nd, which was the, the first Monday of May. April 30th was on a Saturday. So technically, it was May 1st, if you really want to dive down into it. Um, it went away. So if you had filed and suspended prior to that, you're fine, you're good to go, not a problem. If you did not file and suspend before then, essentially, at least for the reasons that we wanted to file and suspend for, those have been taken away at this point in time. Now, restricted application was a little bit different. That's more of a grandfathering in. So they basically said that if you were 62 years of age or older as of January 1st, 2016, you were grandfathered in. Now, you still have to wait until full retirement age before you can actually file the application to restrict, but at least you're grandfathered in. You have no problem, nothing to worry about. If you were under the age of 62, I, you know, basically as of January 2nd, 2016, you're out of luck. Not going to be able to do that in the future. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's interesting. This week I sat down with a couple, and um, his birthday, his 66th birthday, was May the 5th. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, talk about missing it by just a, 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 an eyelash. He, he, he really did. Um, all right, uh, so let me remind everybody, uh, next week, October 4th and 6th, we're having a workshop on all of this information. Um it's at 6.30 in uh, Clemens at the Broy Hill uh, Office and Convention Center. Now, Hamilton, who would yeah. this be perfect for? Who, who, who should attend? Yeah, basically anybody that is looking at retiring here within the next couple of years that are what we would consider planners. They want to start uh, getting ahead of the curve and really getting a good idea of when it would be best to turn on their Social Security, how it's going to affect them long-term, 
Um, because anytime you look at that, it's more than just looking at Social Security. You've got to look at the big picture. And the big picture is income planning. How, how am I going to handle income once I retire and no longer have wages coming in on a regular basis? So what is that going to look like for us? How is that going to impact us? So for those planners that are you know, getting ready to retire the next couple years, definitely uh, people who are already retired, absolutely. And pretty much anybody else that are 68 years of age or younger, uh, should also attend whether they've turned their benefits on or not, which a lot of people think, well, I've already turned mine on. There's nothing left to do, which is not necessarily true. Um, so pretty much anybody that's 68 years of age or younger um, or they're getting ready to retire in the next couple years, I think anywhere in between there, those people need to attend. All right, you heard the man. Um, so pick up the phone right now. The number is 336-391-3409. Uh, that is direct line into our office. Yes, we're not there today. It's Saturday. But you can leave a message. Just leave your contact information, and uh, Joy will call you and confirm you for the, your seat uh, on Monday. That's 336 Zero nine. So, you know, right, Hamilton, you're absolutely right. You know, if somebody's already turned their benefit on, there's mm-hmm. still things we can do. Why don't you describe that for us? Sure. So, um, you know, again, most people think that once I turn my benefit on, I'm done. There's really nothing else I can do. Uh, so there's a couple of things. Um, depending on when you've turned your benefit on will we'll dictate what direction we can go. Uh, if it's been within the last 12 months, you can do what's called a withdrawal of application, which allows you to withdraw your application. It's Form 521. And uh, now you do have to pay back all your Social Security that they've sent you, but it allows you to, to pull to withdraw that application. They'll wipe your slate clean as if you've never did anything, which then gives you the freedom to, to have all sorts of things that, that you're able to do. If it's past the 12 months since you've turned it on, then depending on your age will dictate what direction we go. If you're under full retirement age, you're pretty much stuck until you hit full retirement age. If you're full retirement age or older, you can still suspend your payments. A lot of people don't realize that. You can suspend your payments and get the 8% delayed retirement credits on the amount you were receiving before you suspended the payments. So you can still do that. Now, we have to be very cautious in that because if you have a spouse that is receiving a spousal benefit off of your work record, we do not want to suspend your payments because if we suspend your payments, not only are your payments suspended, but also those of your spouse. The spousal benefits will be suspended. So that was one of the changes that they made in the Bipartisan Budget Act. So, you know, we look at this very carefully. We want to make sure that we put you in the best possible position based off of your overall makeup, not just yours, but your spouse, uh, your, your ages, both of your full retirement age benefit amounts, your life expectancy, uh, your investments, any other income you have coming in, whether it's pensions or rental properties or things of that nature. Everybody's different. Everybody's got a different situation, and we have to look at that individual of somebody else's, and we have to look at it holistically. Hamilton, let me come in here. We've got to step to a break here in a minute, but when we come back, I want to address the situation of 
why in the world would I want to pay this money back? Um, <laughs> because people kind of gag over that. We're right. going to address that just in a minute. You're listening to The Wealth Guardians right here on 94.5 WPTI. Welcome back into the Wealth Guardian Show. Today I have my friend Hamilton Morales with me, and we're talking everything Social Security. This leads up to the workshop we're doing next Tuesday and Thursday, October 4th and 6th uh, at 6.30 p.m. out in Clemens at the Broy Hill Office Suite and Convention Center, and uh, Hamilton will, will be uh, helping me with that endeavor. We did this once before earlier in the year, and it was a major, major success. I think folks learned a, a whole lot. Uh, you know, I jokingly kid Hamilton about being my living, breathing, walking, talking dictionary, but he, he really is. And prior to the break, we were talking about what to do if you've already turned your Social Security benefits on. And Hamilton had said that, well, if you did it and within a year's time, you can actually stop it, suspend it, and do a do-over or a mulligan, if you will, but you got to pay what you got back. Now, Hamilton, why would somebody do that? Yeah, um, it, it is a tough pill to swallow sometimes, especially if that money has been spent. Um, so, obviously, we're very selective in who we we recommend that to. They have to have that capability of being able to pay it back. But if you think about it, if, if somebody has turned their benefit on and then all of a sudden they get this revelation, this information that they could have done something different that's going to enhance their Social Security down the line, uh, you know, a lot of people are going to be sending it to themselves, hey, you know, I, I'd like to do that. And so one way to do that is, and this has happened before, where uh, a spouse has turned on their benefit, didn't know that they could file for spousal-only benefits, which is the restricted application, so they just go ahead and file for their benefit, and that's it. They come to a workshop like yours, and they find out that they had another option, which would allow them to receive some benefits while their own benefit continues to grow at 8%. And then they kind of throw their hands up and go, wow, that would have been great had I known before turning on my benefit. Well, they come in, they speak with us, and we find out that they've been receiving benefits for three months, five months, eight months, whatever the case may be. We put the plan together for them. We show them how to pay that money back to Social Security. And by doing that, it resets everything then filing the restricted application against their spouse's benefit, which allows them to receive half of their spouse's full retirement age benefit amount, which in a lot of cases are, is, is fairly close to what they were receiving with their own benefits. You know, maybe a little bit less, but it's pretty close. But the key here is, is it allows their benefits to grow at 8% per year, so by the time they get to age 70, and they're ready to file for their benefits, their benefits are 32% higher than they would have been when they originally turned them on, and it has a profound impact on their overall income plan later on in life when, quite honestly, depending on your health and some of the other issues that people are dealing with, that extra two, $300 a month or maybe even more really comes into play. Uh, and it is really nice to have on a continual basis coming in. 
Hamilton, I've got 167,000 more reasons to to possibly uh, pay back uh, a benefit that you started. I was working with a couple a few weeks ago, and the exact situation here, they had just, uh, I think she had just turned on benefits, I can't remember, Um, and they were three or four months into it, and I did the optimization program for them and showed them if they did a do-over or a mulligan, paid back the benefits they'd taken, that by optimizing the strategy, they would collect over their lifetime an extra $167,000. Now, I think I would make that trade. I'd trade about seven or $8,000 for $167,000 in the New York second, wouldn't you? Uh, absolutely. So you can do it. Yeah. So sure. the, the, point, the point I'm trying to make here is even though we had changes last year, there are still a lot of things that, that yeah. can be done for folks. Um, let's turn the topic now to something that I, I have been finding that a lot of people don't even know is available to them. Let's talk about a divorce spousal benefit. Mm, yeah, so a lot of people look at um, the Bipartisan Budget Act and, and all that happened there, and they look at how it affects married couples, and they don't really think about how it affects divorced couples. So first things first, you, you need to have what's called a qualifying marriage, and what a qualifying marriage is is that you had to be married for at least 10 years, um, before you got divorced. And then most of the people that we deal with, you have to be, have been divorced for at least two years or longer. If, you were, if you've been divorced for less than two years, then Social Security looks at you as still being married. So all the rules that go into a married couple would still apply to you until you hit that two-year mark of being divorced. Once you've been divorced for more than two years, two years or longer, you become what's called an independently divorced individual, which is an interesting term, but that's the term that they use. And basically what that means now is some of the rules change a little bit. So if you remember back when we looked at a married couple, and in order for a spouse to take a spousal benefit, their spouse must first activate the account. Once the spouse has activated the account, the one who wants to take spousal benefits then can do so but not until the other spouse turns on their benefit. Well, that's not the case in an independent divorce situation. Uh, The rule in that particular case is is that the ex-spouse must be at least 62 years of age. Whether they've turned their benefit on or not is irrelevant. They just have to hit 62, um, and that counts as the same as if it was a married couple in the spouse had turned on their benefits. So it's the same idea, just two different ways of doing it. And that's still the case today. Now, the restricted application, all the rules that apply to a restricted application are still the same rules that apply in a divorce situation. So you, the person, the, the spouse or ex-spouse that wants to turn on the restricted application must be at or over full retirement age. You can't do it prior to that person also cannot turn their benefit on and then suspend the payments and file restricted. You can't do that on, in either situation. And then number three, because of the Bipartisan Budget Act, that person must have been 62 years of age or older as of January 1st, 2016, to even be eligible to file a restricted application. So really the only thing that changes between a married couple and a divorced couple is activation of benefits. In a married couple, one spouse has to activate, other spouse files restricted. 
in a divorced couple, ex-spouse has to hit age 62. The other ex-spouse must wait till full retirement age to file restricted. That's the difference. Very good. Folks, I can't tell you how lucky you are to have an asset like Hamilton Morales to help you in some of these tough decisions. I would really love for you to come and, and, and hear us talk. Uh, we're going to do it kind of like a town hall format. And um, it's going to be a lot of fun. We had a ton of fun doing that. And, and <laughs> we, get, great. we get the audience involved. They're asking yeah. great questions, and, and yeah. it's just a, a, a great evening. We're going to have some, uh, you know, some, some snacks and, and, and coffee and cookies and everything, and it's just a fun time. So it's next Tuesday and Thursday, the 4th and the 6th at 630 out in, in Clemens at the Broyhill. Uh, call my office number right now, 336-391-3409. And uh, leave a message, or you can even go on my website at www.thewealthguardians.com. I think you can register through that, or you can certainly send us an email. One of the two, just go ahead and get registered right now, 336-391-3409. we got a few minutes left here, Hamilton. There's another thing that surprises people, and it hits them like a ton of bricks uh, when they get to uh, receiving benefits, and that's the taxation of your Social Security benefits. A lot of people don't even know that Social Security is going to get taxed. Let's talk about that for a few minutes. Sure. So the, the first, um, the first uh, bracket that came out was in the, in the Reagan years. And basically, you know how politics work. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. They're always going to do class warfare. And, uh, you know, they wanted to, to tax the wealthy seniors. And so back then, a wealthy senior that was on a fixed income um, making between uh, 25000 and $34,000 a year was considered a wealthy senior, uh, which, if you think about back in the early 80s, making that kind of money without having a job, that was pretty good money back then. Um, and they said, hey, if you hit those thresholds, then uh, 50% of your Social Security benefits would be taxable at whatever tax rate you were at for that year. Well, not to be outdone, the Clinton administration decided in the 90s that they were going to up the ante and put another level to that. And so they said that, and of course that was for a married couple, the, the statistic I just gave you, if, it, if, um, if you were uh, uh, single, it's a, it's a different threshold. But if you were married, making between 32000 excuse me, I, I gave you the wrong one, single was 25000 to 34000 and a married couple was 32000 excuse me, yeah, 32000 to 44000 I got my numbers incorrect, then 50% of your Social Security would be taxable. Then the Clinton administration came in and said, oh, wait, we're not going to be outdone here. We're going we're gonna to take it, take it to another level. So if you were single making over $34,000 a year, then 85% of your Social Security benefits would be taxable at whatever tax rate you were at for that year. And if you were married, filing jointly, and you were making over $44,000 a year, then 85% of your Social Security benefits would be taxable. Here's the kicker to both of those. Um, nobody would look at either one of those brackets and say that if you were uh, a senior that was no longer working on a fixed income making that kind of money that you would be wealthy. Unfortunately, those are still the same numbers we use today. Those were not adjusted for inflation, which is a real big bummer when you look at it. So it catches uh, way more people 
than it did back when they first originally had those set in because, again, they, they never adjusted those for inflation. So it's something that you have to deal with. Sometimes there are things that we can do to help lower that overall income or maybe pulling income from different types of non-taxable uh, investments to help keep, keep the overall AGI low. But for most people, there's not really anything you can do as it relates to that. You're going to pay those taxes. Yeah, there are a few strategies we like to employ in our income planning. You know, um, I'll tell you, I've really enjoyed having you on the show today. Uh, it went r- way too quick. Uh, but, folks, please, if you come to our workshop, you'll have us for as long as you want us there. Um, next Tuesday, October 4th and 6th, that's Tuesday and Thursday, 6.30 p.m. out in the Broyhill Office and Convention Center in Clemens. Call now, 336 391 Three four zero nine. Reserve your seat, and uh, Hamilton and I look forward to seeing you there. Hey, Hamilton, thanks a bunch, man. I appreciate you, and uh, you're you're just uh, helping a lot of people out there. I look forward to it. Thanks for having me on the show. And this has been the Wealth Guardians Radio Program on ninety four point five WPTI. <laughs> 